You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's word today. Just has a heart for missions as well. And so we're pleased to have him here with us as he comes to share the word. Will you greet uh, Reverend Bob Wise as he comes to share the word of God with you today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good morning. You notice I changed? They usually speak from that pulpit. I changed to this one. Change is something we always have to do, right? I'm guessing you're sitting where you sat last week. Awesome. Awesome. Most churches, I I was in a church, this is a true story, as superintendent. I'm not telling you where it was because you would know. I got there early. I got there. The church was open. The pastor was back in his study. Nobody's in the sanctuary. I came in. I sat down where grandmom's sitting, right about in the back there like that. And after a while, another guy came in. And I turned. I said, good morning. He said, good morning. And uh, he came over. I shook his hand. I said, how long have you gone here? He said, this is my first Sunday. I said, sit with me. This is my first Sunday. So he sat down, two of us, in an auditorium that seats 400. <laughs> two of us. Next, another guy came in. Honest to God, I'm telling you the truth. He walked over and said to the new guy, you're in my seat. <laughs> I wanted to slap him. So I'm glad you're in a different seat. Now, if you're not in a different seat, Change. Okay, you didn't buy that chair. Well, maybe you did. I don't know. (laughs) All right, let me put my stick down. I got to tell you so you don't wonder about me. I'm in braces. That's why. And I have no balance because they took tumors out of my spine. So I have no balance. I don't know that I'm falling until I see the room like that. And so that's why I am the way I am. So I get that out of the way. You can forget about it, okay? I'm not going to die in front of you. I hope. Jesus. All right. I'm here to conduct a business meeting. I know you came for a church service, and you've already had it, okay? But this is really a business meeting. How many of you, how many of you read this book? You didn't give it to me? <laughs> you see me after. Okay. Uh, Hi, Stephanie, online, and everybody else who's online. Since the pastor didn't do what I told him to do, okay, I'm going to read something to you as to explain why I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm not a guest speaker. I'm part of your church, okay? It's called the kingdom of God. All this split up that we've done down here is going to be made right up there. There'll be no signs, Assemblies of God, Baptists, Russian Baptists, Free Will Baptists. There won't be any of that up there. All right? So I I have to read Dan Bessa, and I'm an extension of what I'm going to read here. And I'm going to tell you some things about Jane and I, and I'm not doing it bragging because it's not about us. It's not about... Those were the first words 
in Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Church. It's not about you, okay? I'm here to help you today. I really am. I, I was 12 years old, going to a baseball game on my bike. I gave the, <laughs> the right-hand signal off the sidewalk, pulled in the road, and got hit by a car. I got bumps and bruises and, and scrapes. They take me to a doctor's office. I'm 12 years old. The doctor's wife is the nurse. She said, take your clothes off. I was horrified that I'm stripped down to my underwear because they need to see if I'm bleeding anywhere, okay? And uh, he looks at me and he says, I think you're going to be all right. He said, we've got to give you a tetanus shot. I didn't know what a tetanus shot was. I said, is it going to hurt? He said, yeah. <laughs> Talk about bedside, yeah, and it did. It was a big needle. I'm going to hurt you today, not because I'm angry with you or or don't like, because I love you. Now, if you are a parent, you know you had to do that. Okay, you love those kids, but sometimes you had to hurt them because you love them. So I'm going to hurt you today, and I may hurt you today too, Pastor. I'm going to hurt Michelle today. I like, I like your church. <laughs> like Michelle. Uh, Gary, you prayed for the presence of God. It's here. He's here. Okay. So I'm going to read. Dan Betzer pastored in um, Fort Myers. He was the radio speaker for Revival Time. He, uh, he was a, a newspaper correspondent Israel loves them. He's been to Israel as many times as George Wood has, our general superintendent who passed. And uh, he wrote a book, Why Some Churches Are Blessed. Okay? So I'm going to give you his story quick. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be a little long today, okay? Uh, You've already had 50 minutes of you. And I'm going to bring you about 45 minutes of important stuff to you. So listen to this conversation. Dan prayed for a beach ministry. He's a young pastor, and he prayed that God give me a beach ministry. And so God sent him to Lake Erie. (laughs) So on the beach at Lake Erie. He's in Sandusky, Ohio. And... He's working hard. The church is little. They're in debt up to their ears. And finally, he said, one day I was recovering and asking the Lord about the lack of money. I felt him speak to me almost as if it were audible. It wasn't audible or I might have had a heart attack. But believe me, I knew it was the Lord. I had been questioning God about my call to Sandusky and the lack of funds. Let me show you Dan Betzer. This is him when he was good-looking, okay? He's a dear friend, uh, so dear to me. Uh, This is him now, (laughs) okay? Uh, A a fabulous preacher of the Word, fabulous. Anyway, so this is Dan's book. Here's the gist of what I felt God said to me in my spirit. Quote, this is God speaking to Dan. I haven't responded Interesting that his name is Dan. (laughs) I haven't responded to your prayers for help, Dan. 
because you're not in the same business I'm in. You do what I'm doing, and I'll supply your needs. I was shocked. What? Are you kidding me, Lord? Not in the same business? Why, I study and pray. I preach sermons. I teach Sunday school. We have a cute little building that actually looks like a church. We print a bulletin. What do you mean I'm not in the same business you're in? Why, I'm even ordained. The Lord continued. Dan, what, you're do- what are you doing about reaching the world with the gospel? Do you ever preach about missions? Do you ever tell the congregation that, like Paul, they are debtors to all people? Do you have missionaries speak at your church? You're feeling better now, aren't you? You got this covered, see? (laughs) Do Do you send funds for global evangelism? My business is to reach every person on this planet. How are you doing with that, Dan? Answer me. Is missions your priority? That's a tough question. It was my priority, Dan, before the beginning of the world. That's why I gave my only begotten son to humanity. Now, what are you doing about that? Are you interested in doing what I'm doing? Next came the shocker. I sputtered, well, now, Lord, you know we don't have any money. We can hardly pay our utility bill. We have to scrimp on things to pay the mortgage. We don't have money for missionaries. That's what I've been trying to tell you. We're broke. We surely can't afford missionaries, too. Then the shocker. Dan, I don't really have much interest in your building. Or your utilities. Or anything else that you have made your priority. My son died to save the world, the entire world, Dan, and you're not getting the word out. You aren't implementing my divine plan, and you're not obeying the Great Commission. You heard about that last week, loud and clear. (laughs) Okay? of going into all the world to preach the gospel. You see, Dan, it's not just about reaching your Southwick, Jerusalem. It's about reaching every nation, like Michelle just told us. You're ignoring the command, or at least hiding behind your excuse of lack of funding. Now make global missions your priority in this church, and I'll take care of your bills. I have to sing you a song. Is that all right? Josh, thanks for your leadership and worship today. Thank you. I only know old songs because I'm old. The wonderful thing about that, they're so old, nobody knows them. They think they're new. (laughs) (laughs) So it goes like this. Lost, I'm out of God's favor. Lost, heavy laden with labor. Lost, 
My soul has no savior. I'm alone. I'm unhappy. I'm lost. Searching the light I've at last seen. Searching for pardon. I'm asking, searching for life everlasting. I'm still searching, am I searching in vain? Found, Christ Jesus has found me. Found his arms are around me. Found with his love he has crowned me. I'm not lost. I'm not searching. I'm found. Oh, I'm not lost. I'm not searching, I'm found. Amen. Amen. Yeah, anybody can clap, give money. All right. So I'm here to lead a kingdom business meeting today. I do thank you, Pastor Dan and Stephanie and church board, Michelle. I loved your missions board out there. I did. Those are friends of mine that you're supporting. Okay? And it's not just about money. You pray for them. Uh, Patrick's coming next week. He's awesome. And more awesome than him is Michelle. And uh, they are special, special people. They'll be here next week. Don't miss next week for Patrick. Okay? Um. I want to help you with this, and I'm sharing with you that what Dan Bezer, I, Jane and I started out in Newark, New Jersey, 1965, with Al and Suzanne Earle. I was the first assistant pastor that he had hired. And we were there for three years. We were there during the, some of you are old enough to remember the riots that took place in Newark. They burned Central Avenue from, all the way down from East Orange through there. We were there then. I'm, I'm 20, what, 22 years old then, and uh, I'm seeing Jeeps with machine guns on the back. We were quarantined. You had to be in your house at 8 o'clock. It, it was a tough 60s, okay? And um, we go from, from there. The district gave Jane and I a church. I, I look back now that I'm, you know, I, I got some years on me, so I, you know, they were, they were getting rid of us is what they were doing. <laughs> so they had a church they were going to close. They had one lady in it, Sister Kozlowski, with three little kids. And they gave us the church. They were going to close it. And so we went, Morristown, New Jersey. And we went there. And that little lady bringing 10 bucks a week. Never forget it. Three years, we watched it go from Sister Kozlowski to about 90 people. People getting saved, alcoholics, prostitutes, uh, Morristown, New Jersey. We're running about 90, and I get a call from Dave Flower and said, 
Bob, would you consider coming to Brockton, Massachusetts? And I said, no. <laughs> uh, we're getting ready to buy five acres of land and build a new building. Uh, no. <laughs> and I hung up, and my wife said to me, you forgot what you said. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you said the next time you get a call, you're at least going to go look. I said, that doesn't count. I was discouraged. <laughs> She said, that's what you said. So I called Dave Flower back, and I said, Brother Flower, my wife told me I had made a statement, and now I'm, so I'm calling you back. I will go there to preach, but I don't want to go there. And I'll never forget, Dave said to me, normally I would tell you to stay home, but I think you ought to come. We got in the car in Morristown, New Jersey in, May, in March 1971. I turned the car on. It was sleeting Jane's in a big coach. She's very pregnant, Michelle. It was the last weekend she could travel being pregnant, okay? March, the baby came in uh, May, Rob. And I turned the car on. I didn't put it in gear. I'm looking out the window, and I just said to her, you know what? And she said, yes, and I turned, and tears coming down her face. She said, we're leaving didn't see the place, didn't know the people. It's the call of God, Dan. Okay, a lot of people don't know how that works. Okay, this is not about a resume. This is about when God says, I want you to leave here, and I want you to go there. Okay. And I said to Dave, well, God, we're, we're leaving. We're, we're leaving. I don't know who these people are. So I stopped at the district office, and I said, the only way we're going to go there is if they have a 100% vote. He said, Bob, my brother pastored that church. They've never had a 100% vote on anything, including Jesus. It's New England. It's you guys. And I said, well, they're about to have their first 100% vote. 19 members. I left 90 for 19. Are you nuts? 19 members. Three years. Three years. Monday morning, I'm in Fields Park complaining and yelling at God. Let me out of here. I don't want New England. I don't, this is crazy. These people, Yankees. <laughs> three years, we're running 30 for three years. Okay. So one day at Fields Park, God said, shut up. I called you here. And I gave up. I preached. I said to the people that, that next Sunday, Jane and I are staying come hell or high water. And I said, if you're with me, I'm giving an altar call. I gave an altar call, and nobody came except me. I went to the altar. You know, before a church moves, the preacher's got to get saved. I went and got saved. I got filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? And from the next three years, we went from 30 to 200. I left the there to come into the district office in 1977 as director of church ministries. Sunday school, Chi Alpha, camps, men's department, all of that stuff. I'm there three years, and Brockton called and said, would you come back? The pastor that followed me there molested 14 boys in that congregation. We went back to Brockton. They were running a, the same as when we left, about 200. 
I said to Jane, we'll just be here a couple of years to help this, and then we'll, we'll go. 28 years later, <laughs> I watched them go from 200. When I got there, they had cut the missions. They had cut the mission budget. They were $30,000 in debt. So I started a missions convention. We started giving. We were up to about 20000 I called Dan Betzer. I said, Dan, come preach for me. So Dan came to preach for me. He had Oswald Smith come preach for him. Oswald Smith pastored People's Church in Canada, the first church, Toronto, Canada, to give a million dollars to missions. They supported 500 missionaries, not just 25 bucks a week, Full support for 500. They were the total support for those 500 missionaries. Amazing. Oswald Smith wrote 1,200 songs, had 21 world tours. Look him up, Oswald Smith. He came and preached for Dan. Read it in the book. The, so he comes on the weekend, Pastor Dan, and he looks at the Southwick people, the Sandusky people, and he says, you make me sick to the people. And Dan said, oh, great. He's, he thought he was going to come and encourage them. And this is what he asked them. Why should you hear the gospel again when some have never heard it one time? He was famous for this saying, I know people with two pairs of shoes. Our missions budget was 20000 When Dan left, our faith promise went to 75,000. I tell you that, again, it's not about Dan, it's not about me, it's about this is the kingdom's business. Do you understand? God loves these people. He died for all of them, not just you and me. When we left Brockton, they were totally debt-free. We had reached about 800 and we were giving a quarter of a million dollars out of Brockton, inner city, blue collar, no sugar daddies, no rich people, just us. A quarter of them. We had a hundred missionaries on the wall in the sanctuary. God told me to put them in the sanctuary. Okay, I like what, what you've done, so you don't, you don't need to do that. But what we did in our service, we'd have prayer every Sunday, Missionaries were part of our team. And our people would go to the wall and they'd put their hands on the faces of those missionaries and pray over those pledges. When the missionary would come visit, I would have him stand in front of his picture. And they would go over and lay hands on the missionary. I watched missionaries just weep. Priority. Show me where your money is and where your time is and I'll tell you what your priority is. Okay, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I'm, I want to go to your house. And I'm telling you, I'm coming to your house this morning, okay? <laughs> All right. So, the question that Jesus is really asking of Southbridge today is one that he asked Peter in John 21. He looked at Peter and he said, Do you love me? 
Yes, Lord. And Jesus kept looking at him. In the NIV, it says it this way. Do you really love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Jesus kept looking at him and said, do you love me? And it says Peter was hurt. And you know, your pastors taught you this, I'm sure, that those three words, those two words, that word love is different. The first time it's agape. I will give my life to to you. Second time, it's agape. Jesus said, do you agape me? And finally, the third time, he used the word that Peter was using. Phileo. I'm your friend. One translation says, are you even my friend? And so what you're answering in your mission, and Pastor Dan, I want to commend you again for giving two Sundays. You're showing, at least me, that this is a priority. You're giving two Sundays. You're giving a full week to missions. Do you love me? And here's, the, here's that little phrase that gets bothersome and it's, it's going to mess you up and you're not going to sleep great, okay? More than these. Now, I don't care about who the these were or what the these were. Some people think it was the disciples. I don't believe that. Others believe it was the fish. I'd probably fall in that ball game. But it doesn't matter what it was. He's, what it matters is, do you love me more than everything else? How much do you love me? And if you read Scripture, okay, again, you've heard this over and over. He said, if you love your wife more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love your kids more than me, you're not worthy of me. That's pretty tough stuff. In fact, later he says, you have to hate your wife and husband and children. Now, that word hate is not the emotional anger we think of. It means you have to put in second place. I love you, hon. Forgive me for this. She told me, I don't like your ring. I got this ring, okay? Made of steel. I like it. It's got a cross on it. It helps me in testifying. People ask me about it, you know. I said, you don't like it? She said, no, you can't see the wedding ring. I thought about it. This was this morning, driving up, having coffee in the car. Okay. <laughs> I found out she doesn't like this. And she has what I have, so what I'm telling you, it's the same for her to me. But he comes before you. And I know he comes before me in your life. I know that. In fact... That's what made our marriage work, is that we put him first. Are you hearing me? If you're a young person here, don't you dare marry somebody that doesn't put Jesus first. If you do, you're going to be so sorry. Believe me, you will be so sorry. I got a lot. I should have told you to cut some, but that worship was so good. (laughs) All right. So what is faith promise giving? Do you love me more? You see, you remember Abraham? God put his finger on Isaac. He said, give me him. 
And that's, uh, some of you walked with God long enough that that's happened to you. He puts the finger on the thing that you're loving more than he is. You know what it was when I was 16, what I loved more than him? My hair. And every rotten evangelist that would come to the church, when you'd go to the altar, they'd stick their hand in your hair and shake it while they prayed for you. Mess up an hour's work of combing that I'd done to impress her. You know what I'm talking? And finally, I, the hair's so messed up, I said, well, it's too late now. I might as well pray. And, <laughs> and you pray. <laughs> I think some of you know what I'm talking about. All right. So what, I'm going to tell you what faith promise gives in a moment. So let me, let me get down. Michelle, I want to give you, where's Michelle? She leave me? Here she is. I want to give you some goals, Pastor, okay? First goal, Romans 1.16. You said it, to the Jew first. You hear me? This is Jacob's hope. Come on up. He gave you a plaque last, last week. I'm giving you this. Put this baby on your head. Jacob's hope. Jesus was not Roman Catholic, and he was not Assemblies of God. He was a Jew. So he said to the Jew first and to the others. Jacob's Hope ministers to Jews all over the world. The directors of Jacob's Hope is Brent and Bonnie Johnson, okay? And I pray that when you pray about your missions budget for 23, that you'll take them on, okay, and you know what's funny about him? He's not Jewish. In fact, what's really funny, he felt the call of God to go to Springfield. He pastored in Reno, Nevada, went to Springfield to support, lift up the arms of Rabbi Jeff Freeman, who was the director of Jacob's Hope. Jeff Freeman's a rabbi. Jeff Freeman left Jacob's Hope, and they asked Brent to be the interim. What was that, seven years ago? <laughs> and he... It, Jacob's hope exploded under Brent and Bonnie. All over the world they go. And what's funny about it, his dad was a pig farmer. <laughs> I, I don't have to explain that, do I? All right. Okay. <laughs> so, first, first goal and I say this to every pet, Dan, you heard me when I was superintendent. What's your, and Michelle, when you gave the list and prayed, the Jew was not in there. To the Jew first. God said, if you bless the Jew, I'll bless you. Amen? And if you got ill feelings about the Jews, you better get over it. <laughs> You're going to heaven to be with the Jew. He's waiting on you. He's going to come get you. And he may come get you today differently. I hope he does. Second goal, you're giving, and I applaud this, I, your, your total budget's about $121,000, okay? And you're giving 12000 to missions in 2022. That's about 10% of your budget. I challenge you, Pastor Dan, over the next five years to cast the vision to move to 25% of your budget for missions. 25% of a budget. We gave a quarter of a million dollars. Our total church budget was a million dollars in Brockton. Okay? All right. 
I'm going to play with numbers. Everybody say, play with numbers. Okay, I hope you understand. Like, you can make numbers do whatever you want, right? I'm just playing with them, but there's a story in them a little bit. So take a look at this, okay? Living Hope Church, $12,000.22, could mean that 60, pastor told me there's 65 members. 65. Now, I'm a member of Cohasi Country Club. That's a golf course. Two businessmen bought the membership. I couldn't have afforded it. I wouldn't have paid that money. It's a lot of money. You got to have an initiation fee of whatever it was, $10,000. And then you got to pay at the restaurant every month. You either eat it, drink it, or pay it anyway. Okay? It's expensive. I was there for a couple of years that they paid for. And then it came time for me to pay for it. And I said, I, only, I was so busy. I, was, I played like 10 or 12 times a year. And I said, I can't do that. And so I took a sabbatical. I, they give you a year off to think about it. I took a year off, came back, and I said, to them, I, I can't do this. But in those three years, I led the manager of the club to Jesus. I prayed the pro through cancer, okay? I go 45 minutes early, and I'm in the parking lot talking to golfers about Jesus. So they said, Pastor Bob, we don't want you to leave. We made the Father Bob membership. You can't tell anybody this, okay? Huh? I know. <laughs> anyway, they gave me a price that was embarrassing. Okay. And I said, okay. Now, nobody knows that. Everybody else is paying, but uh, not me. Isn't that wonderful that God give you a gift like that? Because I'm in his business. See? All right. But here's, here's the deal. At the end of the year, if you're a member, the members own the club. So in the end of the year, if there's a profit, you get a thank you letter. There hadn't been a profit for a while. So at the end of the year, you get a different kind of letter. And it comes with a bill because you're a member and you're part owner. <laughs> and here's your part. And it's usually like maybe 500 bucks, but it's, that's 500 bucks, okay? And you pay. So I'm saying that to you. You're a member. To me, what that, if you're a member here, that means you have bought into this, okay? You've bought into this. Uh, it means commitment, doesn't it? It means responsibility, okay? Uh, the banks want to know your membership. If you went for a loan, they want how many how many people have signed on, not just come, but they said we're with you. So I base this on that fact: sixty-five members. Okay. It means that sixty-five members gave one hundred eighty-five dollars a year. You can put that up. It means that came to three hundred fifty-five uh, three dollars and fifty-five cents a week. It means that that's 51 cents a day. Hand me that cup. <laughs> I stopped at your Dunkin' Donuts on the way in. I don't care how small you are as a town, you got a Dunkin' Donuts in it. $2.49. Oh, I got the receipt. Because it's tax. I can put it in my taxes because I was working when I bought it. 
$2.45. Okay? $2.45 right there. One cup. I'm so glad she didn't want one. In a day, 51 cents for missions. 245 I spent for Duncan. Okay. I think you're getting this. <laughs> uh, so, to carry the gospel, the good news. Pastor, I said, do you have a goal? He said, we want to take on some new missionaries. So we're hoping for 15,000. So I put 15,000 in my little thing and to see what it looks like. What's $15,000 look like? That means that the member would give $230, which equals $4.44, which equals 63 cents a day. That's an increase of about 89 cents a week. I told you I was playing with the numbers, okay? But there is a picture there, right? You know, my son, when he was 12, he said, can we go to McDonald's? I said, I don't have any money. He, he said, well, let's go home because it's free there. <laughs> so I waited a week after he was married, and I said, hey, I'm calling up to see how that free food's gone. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So what is faith promise giving, everybody? It's God giving his resources through me by my faith in him and not just by my own ability. So how do I give a faith promise? I answer the following questions. Number one, what can I afford? I was sharing this with Michelle yesterday. She's on the floor hemming her daughter's pants, okay? <laughs> She's at our house yesterday. Michelle was with Jane. And I, I'm sharing this about this money. And Michelle said, I can find that in my washer. <laughs> I bet it's in your couch. You know what I'm saying? We lose more money than I'm talking about. Jane's washed $20 in my slacks one time. More than that. I have laundered money. Okay? So here, what can I afford? I can do this. It's no sweat. I can afford, I can afford this much more. Okay? Then the question, what about sacrifice? What about Isaac? What about your golf clubs, Bob Wise? You know how much a set of golf clubs? Yeah, you do. Unless they were given to you. Golf clubs are expensive. What's in your house, okay, that you could sell? Only Americans have closet. You're the people that look in the fridge with a full fridge and say there's nothing to eat. You go to the closet, it's filled. I don't have anything to wear. That's you. So we sell it and give it to missions. Amen? Yeah, next time you have the sale, try carrots and celery sticks and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. 
I'm, I'm hurrying, okay? Hold on. The goal is 100% participation, okay? 65 adults believing God. Can you afford three dollars? Here, here's what I looked at. Can you afford three dollars a week you can afford? Can you sacrifice two? Can you tighten the belt and sacrifice for two bucks? That's five dollars a week, okay? And can you, now here's the faith part. Can you believe God 92 cents worth. Do you have 92 cent faith? If you do, then 65 people will give $5.92, which equals $384 a week, which equals $20,000 in 2023. A little bit more, okay? That's the, that's the hallelujah goal right there, 20000 Okay, or no, fifteen thousand is the hallelujah. This is the praise the Lord. Go. Next is the glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Not glory to Southbridge. Glory to God. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Okay, to the glory of God. So here's the glory of God goal. I can afford three dollars. I can sacrifice three more. I can believe God for a dollar forty a week. That means I'll give seven dollars and forty cents a week for 52 weeks. Four hundred and eighty-one dollars a week will come in here and in 52 weeks twenty-five thousand will go to missions out of South Wick. Your faith promise helps us to know what to tell the missionary when they call him. Patrick's going to say, thank you for supporting me. Can you increase it? We're 10% short. And if this does what I pray it will do, you'll say, we can do it. Okay? We can do it. Now watch this. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 8. And I have 1 to 4, Josh. I should have put 1 to 5. So five's not on there, but I'll, I'll give it to them, okay? And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given. It takes grace to do this, the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, they're overflowing joy in the trial, and their extreme poverty. Poverty. Welled up in rich gender. I want to bring me back one day to preach on why I hate tithing. I hate tithing because it limits generosity. People think, well, I did my part. No, you didn't do it. God owns it all. He asked you for 10%, but check out the word offering. Tithes are only in there maybe 32 times, but offering's in there about 700 times. <laughs> There's a message in that. Out of the most severe job. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able. God asked, do what you're able. I want you to be a joyful giver. You can do this. Some of you are not doing what you can do, and you know it. You do know it. Because you go through the store, and you plop down 22 bucks or 25 bucks for something you weren't planning on buying, okay? Next time you do that, think about these missionaries. 
I know I came to your house. You're not going to like me for a while after this, but you'll love me in the end. They gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, even be, how do you give beyond your ability? By faith. By faith. Entirely on the, they urgently, I bet, I bet this congregation has done this to you. Please, Pastor Tim, let us give more. Please. Yeah, when that happens, you'll be in revival. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service. I'm reading the Bible to you. You guys just got done singing all this stuff. Do you mean it? I mean, do you really love him? So how do I give beyond my ability? By faith promise. Hebrews 11.1, 1, you know it. I, it's not in there, so don't look for it, uh, Dan. Hebrews 11. For faith is the substance. That means you can, it's real. It's substance. Faith is the substance. It's not pie in the sky. It's not some crazy idea. It's substance. And it's the evidence. You present evidence. <laughs> What's the evidence? This is the evidence that I can't walk. This is the evidence of my marriage. It's real. It's not an emotional feeling. It's not, oh God, give me a number. Just like that. So I'm really get, I'm giving you the key to faith promise giving. The reason churches don't do faith promise, it's hard because you've got to pray it in. And you have to be obedient. Dan said two things for faith promise. Biblical faith. Biblical faith. Not human faith. Biblical faith and strict obedience. And when God brings, I had an experience with that, okay? One year I'm given a faith promise, okay? And so I, I have three weeks out of the year that I told the church I'm out preaching for pastors at no cost uh, because I have a salary I'm taking care of, but let me help you. But they would give money. You know, pay your gas, whatever. So I'd get 50 bucks or 100 bucks would be big, okay? And so I said, Lord, I got three weeks of preaching, Whatever money comes in those three weeks, that's faith promise. My first call was to the Potomac District. Two weeks I'm preaching through their district, all the sections. They wrote me a check for $800. That's more than I was making in a week. I thought, man, if I could preach there every couple weeks, I'd be... <laughs> I go to the next place, northern New England. Northern New England. Vermont. Maine. We only got about 100 churches up there at that time. Okay. I did their men's thing. They gave me $500. I get back after three, month, uh, three weeks out preaching. I got several thousands of dollars. And I said, Lord, we need to renegotiate this deal. I think you get the idea. I did. I renegotiated the deal. Next year, 50 bucks, 100 bucks again. 
Yeah, no, no. All right. Here's the biblical basis for the giving, real quick. Ephesians 5, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. I like that. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, what's the Lord's will, everybody? What is God's will? 2 Peter 3, 9, not willing, he's not willing, he's not willing that any, everybody say any, any should perish. But that all, you know what the word all in the Greek means? <laughs> yep, all. Uh-oh. Okay, let me get this rid of this now. Sound effects. First Timothy. And pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the truth. For there's only one God, and there's only one mediator between God and man, Jesus. Jesus. It's the only way to get to heaven. I know you say you're intolerant. Yeah, so's, so's the pilot when he's landing the plane on the runway. He's intolerant. There are not many runways. There's one, Jack, and you better hit it. Romans 10. How then can they call on the one that they've not believed? And how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless we send them? The answer, they can't. That's the answer. It doesn't happen. Few extra verses. Romans 14. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, Michelle, every tribe, every language, and every people. Matthew 28. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, all the world, every creature, Mark 16. Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. John 6, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? Get this. He asked this only to test him. The Holy Spirit is here to test all of us. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Are you even my friend? For he already had in mind what he was going to do. He didn't need me. He didn't need me. We're a couple of steelworkers kids down in Jones Creek, Maryland. He didn't need us. He knew what he was going to do. But he gave us the opportunity to be a part of what he was going to do. And he's here today to give you a part of what he's going to do. Okay. Philip answered him, this is what we do. As soon as God says, I want you to do this, we go to the how question. <laughs> okay, that's what kills faith. We try to figure it out. You can't figure it out. It doesn't compute. It's nuts. How can little be much? 
How can you give away 10% and still thrive? Because it's not a tenth. It's the tenth. It's sacred. The reason it's sacred is it belongs to him. It's not yours. It's his. And that's the other place he said, test me in this. Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. That's called no faith. Can't be done. And there's so many of these kind of people. I had them. Uh, can't happen. Can't be done. It's funny when people say it can't be done, then we watch people do it. Here's a boy. <laughs> Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy. He's only a kid. That's what they said with that revival meeting in North Carolina. They said, one kid got saved. That's all. What was his name? Oh, Billy Graham. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how? (laughs) How? At least he brought the kid in this. You know, I don't think Andrew said, hey, kid, give me the lunch. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he did. I, th- I think the kid said, Mr. Andrew, Jesus can have my lunch. I think that's what happened. I, I think the kid said, Mr. Andrew, here, he can have my lunch. That's called little faith. No faith, little faith. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the loaves, and he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Don't you love those all-you-can-eat signs? <laughs> As much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. What did he do with those? I think he sent one of those baskets home with that kid. I do. I think that kid said, Mama, Daddy, look! (laughs) So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over. Jesus did this to test them. The exercise of faith. Romans 12, 3, God has dealt to everyone a measure. He gave you a measure of faith. He gave you a measure of faith. That's the faith that saved you. It's not of yourself, lest you would boast. It's the gift of God. He gave you the faith. What he didn't give you is the will to exercise it. That you have to bring. This gift of faith. No faith, Mark 440. Why are you so afraid? Little faith is mentioned one, two, three, four, five times. All to the disciples, by the way. And then great faith to the centurion who said, you don't need to come to my house, just say the word. 
He told the one. <laughs> Get a hold of it. He told the one who said the word that created the universe. That's who said this word. Without him was nothing made that was made, the Bible says. He spoke the word. He hung the world on nothing. Great faith. And then the Canaanite woman, Seraphat. Not seen such great faith, Jesus said. Faith in what, people? Get this one verse, Mark eleven twenty. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Bring me back sometime and let me speak to you about the God you didn't know. The God that doesn't answer prayer. I had one guy say in our prayer meeting, I want to thank God for everything he's done. I want to thank him for what he's doing. And I want to thank him for what he's going to do. I said, you left one out. He said, what? I said, are you able to thank him for what he's not going to do? He didn't heal my daughter. But I thank him. Well, I have to quit. I quit with a song. An old song. Modern times have brought us many comforts. People live in wealth and luxury. But the master still asks this question. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me more than these, my child? What will your answer be? What will your answer be? Father God, I commit this word that you have put in my heart for Pastor Dan and Stephanie and for Living Hope as they pray and look for your voice of assurance on a number they do not have nor can they produce it. As they take this truth home this week and pray over, would you speak to them? And would you give them the assurance of that number that will come in in a way that they cannot think of, they cannot manipulate it? It's going to come from you to prove that you are God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, there was one more verse I told you, verse 5. And the Macedonian Christians did not do as we had expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord 
and then to us in keeping with God's will. What was God's will? Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Everybody. Stand with me. I want to give an altar call. Here's the altar call. My guess is everybody here is saved. I believe that's probably true. Another book you need to read is David Grant's new book. just came out this year. Remember the title, too. Born to Give. Born to Give. David was a little boy, eight years old. They passed the offering plate. He didn't have any money. So he put the plate on the floor and he stood it. And he said at eight years old, God, I give you me. This says they didn't do like we expected because they first gave themselves to the Lord. I want to give all of you this altar call. If, if you are willing, I know you're saved, you love Jesus. You're, you're a member, you're helping. But this morning, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar and say one more time, Jesus, I want to give you me. I want to give you me this morning. give you me again. I know I've, I've done it before, but I'm doing it again. I give you me. My weakness, all that I'm not, all my inconsistency, all the, the brokenness that I know what I look like. I give you me. I give you me. themselves before the Lord and renew the covenant. So that all Israel presented themselves before the Lord and renewed the covenant. So we present ourselves to you, God. We give of ourselves to you, Lord God. Lord, you wanted us when we were saved and you didn't just leave us alone after we were saved. So that's enough. But Lord, you asked us to follow you you ask and to give of ourselves, Lord God. This is not about money. This is about us. And we give ourselves a fresh and new to you. Lord, be honored in our lives. Be honored in our speech. Be honored, Lord, in our actions. Be honored in our giving. Be honored, Lord, in our evangelism. Lord, may we do this as unto you. And Lord, may we ever be drawn by you. May your passion ever burn in us been moments in our life where we've allowed that fire to go out or our enthusiasm for you to wane. Lord, forgive us now. Forgive us, Jesus, for making you second most important thing in our life. Be first, God. Be first and foremost in all things, Lord God. So we give of ourselves to you today. Be honored, be lifted high. And Lord, as we follow you, Lord, may we see you do great things in our family, great things in our community, great things in our workplace.
Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.